This is the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Good morning. It is a Monday, December the 4th, here on the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. I'm Chelsea Messenger. He's PJ Glasser, filling in for Jenks today. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Can't imagine what we talk about in college football. Over the weekend, of course, the college football playoff rankings announced the final ones. There are some fan bases that are very mad, as we expected. We will dive into the full fallout of what happened over the weekend. And, of course, we will get into what we saw over the weekend in the NFL. The big matchup, of course, the Niners and the Eagles. And it was all Niners in Philly yesterday. But before we get to that, uh, PJ, good morning. It has to feel good to come on the show this morning as an Alabama alum. What a weekend. Chelsea, good morning. Feels fantastic to come on the air this morning as an Alabama alum. I can tell you that. I do feel for Florida State, though. I feel for their players. I feel for their fans. Like, they got screwed. I mean, let's just call it what it is. If Jordan Travis is healthy... If they go undefeated, if they win an ACC title, they're in. I mean, there's no there's no debate. And I think myself included, before championship weekend started, I was telling all my friends, I was saying it on the air. I'm like, if Florida State wins, they're going to be in. If you're an undefeated Power 5 champion, you're going to be in the playoff. I think then most people who were in that same boat as me, when you just watch that game and, and you just you watch Florida State play and you're just like, I mean, this isn't a top four team. This isn't even a top 10 team. So I get the argument that they're undefeated. At the end of the day, all you're asked to do is win every game on your schedule. And that's what they did. And even without Travis, they deserve the opportunity to play in the playoff. I just think most people would probably agree that if if, if it was Florida State and Texas, if it was 2-3, or Florida State-Washington, or if it was Florida State and Michigan, I mean, those two teams probably would have rolled. So it, it, it's unfortunate. It, it's bad luck for Florida State. It sucks. You know, we wish that the college football playoff would have been 12 teams this year because it would have been awesome. But as college football fans, Chelsea, I think most would agree, like, we have two elite matchups in the playoff. Like, this is the first time I truly feel like all four teams can win it all. You could talk to four different people, and four different people could make the case for who's going to win it. Before we came on air, I was was talking with Double D. He likes Washington to win it all. I'm sure when Jenks is in this chair tomorrow, he's going to make the case for Texas, right? I could make the case for Alabama. Michigan's the number one team in the country. So I think from a fan standpoint, and I think most people would agree, like these are two awesome matchups, and at the end of the day, I feel like if we're just talking about the best teams, the four best, I think these are the four best teams in college football. I think that was the point that the committee was trying to hammer home, was we wanted to choose the four best teams in college football, and this is what we came up with. So I know Florida State has every right to be angry because you can say, well, our defense is good enough to win every single game this year, and what else more could we have done? But as a fan of, you know, no horse in the in the the race, I definitely wanted to see these four teams. And I think you could tell a lot by Michigan's reaction to who they were playing. Yes. Did you see this? Mm-hmm. They oh, do not want to play Alabama. You could tell 
that they were a little frustrated that Alabama was the team that they drew in the championship as their first round matchup. So we'll see. And I'll say this. It feels like no matter who they chose, somebody was going to be angry and somebody would have had a right to be angry because even you look at, I, I knew the second that Texas was the number three team that we were going to see yes. Alabama because obviously yes. they couldn't put Texas behind Alabama because Texas won the head to head matchup. And then they put another graphic on the screen that showed the strength of schedule. And I think Alabama was like number five. Florida State was like number 55. I was like, uh-oh, here we go. Alabama's getting in. And what do you know? The Crimson Tide rolled their way into the college football playoff. We've still got plenty more to uh, peel off that bone when it comes to college football. We'll do it a little bit later here on the show as we will dedicate, I'm sure, much more time to uh, the first odds we're seeing on the college football playoff and maybe some potential value in a playoff that looks to have a lot of parity. But over the weekend, let's go over our bets. Man, tough weekend for me. Felt like all of my picks hit for, with the exception of the ones that I actually played on the show. Only played two bets, and of course, they were the ones that lost. Uh, Alabama, Georgia, over 54, best bet. That one lost by three points. It was a final score of 27-24. Obviously, Alabama winning it. Did not expect to see uh, the offense that we did from Georgia. Expected more of a fight from the dogs there. Had New Mexico State plus 11.5 over Liberty. This game was tied at halftime. And then there was like a, a play at the very end that kind of decided the cover. Uh, New Mexico State did not get it, and they lost 49 to 35. So 0-2 weekend for me, even though my pick six plays went, you know, really good. I think I was 4-2, and 3-0 and my NFL picks. So I'm going to try to make myself feel better about that. Uh, as for PJ, PJ, right on the money with Alabama plus six. Didn't even need the points over Georgia as the Tide won that one, like I said, 27 to 24. In college hoops, UConn plus two and a half over Kansas. Uh, Jayhawks winning that one in a very close game, 69 to 65. So a tough beat there for you, PJ. Uh, Jenks, of course, had the Longhorns minus 13 and a half. That was a dub, of course. Texas rolled over Oklahoma State. As for the Donkster, had Atlanta and uh, the Jets. Oh, excuse me. That would be the Falcons and the Jets. Had the Jets on the money line, plus 110. The Falcons won it. So that was an L for the Donkster. Oklahoma State and Texas had the Longhorns minus 15 and a half, and that was a winner as well. As for Double D's, uh, D-Gen Parlay did not come through. <laughs> had a couple uh, dubs sprinkled in there. Uh, I would like to highlight a few of them. David, I thought you had Washington on the money line. I was, I could not believe that you went against your your guy that you've been on every single week, it feels like, this season. Uh, but for the week, let's go over uh, what we did this week. For me, it was off to a hot start, but then the rest of the week was not great for me. Finished the week three and four. Jinx, two, four, and one. Dogster, five and five. PJ, one and one. This is the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. I'm Chelsea Messenger. He's PJ Glasser, filling in for Jenks. Uh, let's get into what we saw in Sunday night football. The Packers come through as six-point dogs, winning over the Chiefs 27-19. to The over hits as the total was set at 44. And Jordan Love, big game for the young quarterback, finished 25 of 36, 267 yards and three touchdowns, including one of two touchdowns to Christian Watson. 
Here come the Chiefs. Pressure's on. Chelsea. Love. Throw. Enzo Watson! Oh, did he catch that? He did, but there is a flag down. What a grab by Christian Watson. And I think it's going to stand. As I mentioned, that was one of two touchdowns that Christian Watson hauled in last night, had seven catches, 71 yards, as well as those two touchdowns. So, PJ, did this surprise you at all? I feel like a lot of gambling Twitter was all over the Packers getting all of these points. Yeah, I wasn't surprised that the Packers covered. Um, Obviously, a little surprised that they won outright. I thought the Chiefs would win the game, but uh, Jordan Love looked really, really good last night. I mean, 267 yards, three touchdowns. Packers offense as a whole looked really good, too. The way they were able to control the clock, they kept Mahomes on the sideline. Um, And that Chiefs defense, as we know, is the strength of that team. Green Bay, the first two drives of the game, went right down the field on them and scored touchdowns both times. I think the Packers' ability to score touchdowns last night and keeping the Chiefs to field goals was really the entire key. I mean, you can see in the first half, right, Green Bay scored seven in the first quarter, seven in the second quarter. The Chiefs scored three in the first quarter, three in the second quarter. So that eight-point difference right there, that's your ball game. Biggest winner last night was uh, the Packers, obviously, because – They look like a playoff team for sure. I mean, Seattle, as we know, is in free fall. They're on a losing streak. They have San Francisco this week, the Eagles next week. So they have two big games. The Minnesota Vikings have lost their last couple games. The Josh Dobbs magic is kind of running out. Green Bay still has to play them later on in the season. And then the Ravens were also a big winner from last night. Chelsea, because they're one of the teams competing for the one seed in the AFC. They're 9-3 and along with the Dolphins. The Jags are eight and three. They played tonight with a chance to go to nine and three, but Kansas City drops to eight and four. The Ravens still play the Jags and the Dolphins. So theoretically, Baltimore kind of controls their own destiny for the one seed. You could say the same about Jacksonville and Miami. So you could easily say all three of those teams were kind of big winners last night with the Chiefs losing. So big. Big bit win for Green Bay last night, and you look at their remaining schedule. You know they got the Bucks, they have the Giants, they have they they still have some easy games on their schedule. So uh, really, really good win for the Packers last night, and and Jordan Love continues continues to impress. He's been awesome the last three four weeks of the season. Oh, for sure. The Packers definitely a team that is trending in the right direction. Meanwhile, you look at Kansas City. And I think my biggest takeaway is not just, you know, maybe fading Kansas City down the stretch just because their offense really has not been very consistent. It's really been their defense that has been their calling card this year, which is wild to say when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, uh, but still giving up 27 points to the Packers last night. And also what this game did to the MVP race, because anytime you have an off game as a favorite for MVP, I feel like it kind of throws you down. In the pecking order, even though Patrick Mahomes uh, obviously gets the the benefit of the doubt when it comes to voters, I would assume. But still, the stat line was not great in this one. 21 of 33, 210 yards, a touchdown, a pick. We know he is a great quarterback, but still, when you are trying to win MVP, you have to put up good numbers. It feels like there has been a lot of parity in the MVP race 
so far this season because every time one quarterback looks good the next week he'll face like a tough opponent like look at Jalen Hurts a tough matchup against the Niners last night so like those two things obviously it's all relative PJ do you think that this game is something that will hurt Patrick Mahomes MVP case moving forward I certainly do, especially considering that the Eagles played the Niners yesterday and, and Brock Purdy looked awesome. And that's why we wake yeah. up this morning and, and there's a three-way tie for MVP, right? It's Dak, it's Brock, and it's Jalen Hurts. So Patrick Mahomes, it's gotten to the point where it's like LeBron in the NBA during his prime. You know, you could have given an MVP to LeBron every year. Like, we know he's the best player in the league. We know Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. But to Patrick Mahomes' standard, he's certainly not having the season that we're accustomed to seeing. And it's because the offense just isn't as good. His receivers aren't as good. Um, And then obviously losing a game like that last night where you're six-point favorites. You only throw for one touchdown, 210 yards. I certainly think... That took a hit. He's got a big showcase game next week against Buffalo, so he maybe has a chance to kind of move back up in the odds and become one of the favorites. But after that, Chelsea, you know, they don't really have a lot of tough games. And obviously, Jalen Hurts is going to be on Sunday night next week against Dak. Like, that game could potentially decide the MVP. Brock Purdy still has to play the Ravens on Christmas Day. Like, that could be a Super Bowl preview, potentially. So, I just wonder that, you know, Lamar has these big showcase games against the Jags, the Niners, the Dolphins. Jalen still has to play Dallas. Dak plays Philly next week. Brock still has these big games. It just feels like next week for Mahomes against Buffalo, if he has a big game, maybe he can creep back up there, but... We're just so numb to his greatness, and he's not having the year that we really kind of see Mahomes have every year. So I I don't think he's going to win it. And Chelsea, if if either Jalen or Dak really has a big-time game next week, I I think that's probably going to be your winner for MVP. Yeah, it's wild to me how much we have seen a shift in these MVP odds. You pointed this out. Brock Purdy now the favorite at plus 350. What was he last week? Like, he was at least 10 to 1, right? Yeah, he was far down. And he's missed a couple games, right? I mean, keep that in mind. He's been out. Or, no, he didn't miss a couple games, but he had. Uh, they lost. They went on a three-game losing streak, and he, and he played terrible in a couple of those games. Yeah, it was 16 to 1. So I just feel like it is a very strange MVP race this year just because nobody's running away with it. Like, you could say that mm-hmm. Dak is running away with it because his numbers are really good, but also he hasn't played a ton of good teams. And when he has played those good teams, he really hasn't put up good numbers, which makes it all the more important, like you said, when the Eagles and the Cowboys meet up. I think that game has a ton of implications, not just when it comes to the postseason, but also for the MVP race. Going back to this game, do you think we should be worried about the Chiefs moving forward? I think I think there there is there is some concern with Kansas City. I mean, they're the Chiefs, so you can't really be too concerned. Like they go through ups and downs every season, and it seems like when we get to the playoffs, they're always playing a home game at Arrowhead. Mahomes has never played a road playoff game. I think they'll be fine, but boy, did that game against Buffalo next week become really interesting? Because now the Chiefs are coming off a loss; they're really going to need to win that game. And as we know, Buffalo's six and six. That is a must win for them. So. Two great games next week. Eagles, Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills. Can't wait for both.
It's the best time of the year when it comes to football because we have really meaningful games in the regular season. And also, we had championship week over the weekend in college football. We'll talk that next on The Daily Tip. The Daily Tip will be right back on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Welcome back to the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. We are off and running this Monday morning. Normally, it's hard to get going on a Monday, but after this weekend in college football, I think we have plenty to get our motors revving. I'm Jelson Messenger. He's PJ Glasser filling in for Jenks today. And uh, Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday morning, I think I had not been that excited for a college football playoff ranking announcement in a long yeah. time. Like, that's the most drama I think I've had in my life all year long. Like, it, from a drama perspective, I think this is what the committee wanted. Like, I know nobody wants a team that's left out. But I think that rating show, or excuse me, that ranking show probably has some of the best ratings that we have seen for any sporting event across all of sports. I feel like the entire college sports landscape was dialed into this show. PJ, how did you feel before this announcement uh, went down on ESPN? I was so nervous, Chelsea. One of my buddies called me at like 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. I was sound asleep. I get up and I'm like, what are you doing? Call me at 6 a.m. So I got <laughs> up at like 9 and then I call him back and he's like, what were you doing? I was like, I'm sleeping. He's like, how can you sleep when we're, our fate is six hours away knowing from what's going to happen? So, yeah, we were we were all nervous. I... I, as I told you to start the show, going into championship week, I thought even if Bama beat Georgia, that FSU or Texas would have to lose for Bama to get in. And then just watching Florida State play, and then on Twitter, it felt like that everybody was kind of having that same reaction. Like, Florida State's undefeated. They're, they're, they deserve to be in. If they do get in, that's the that's – you know, uh, the committee is almost kind of taking, like, the easy way out. Like, that's the right thing to do. But I think they made the best decision for college football and for and for us fans because of these two matchups. So, extremely nervous. I thought, But like you said, once Texas was three, I, I, I knew Bama was going to be four. Because that would have been, like you said, one fan base, Bama, Florida State, Texas, was going to be pissed if they didn't get in. The one thing you couldn't do was put Bama in and not put Texas in because head-to-head above all else is the thing that absolutely has to matter. We do all these hypotheticals of how to weigh these teams and what should weigh more, and do we you know, look at the eye test? Do we look at strength of record? Do we look at non-conference? All these different things. If the teams play and one team beats the other, like that has to be above all else. So once they put Texas in, I had a feeling Bam would probably be four. Even though I would say Florida State fans are saying – do wins not matter? Do undefeated records not matter? But I think a lot of yeah. it was strength of schedule. Uh, and you were trying to look at their schedule and say, okay, has the ACC really fallen this far from grace to where the ACC championship is, or ACC champion is not getting in? But if it was to the expense of the SEC, we all knew that wasn't happening. Like, did you really think that a team from the SEC wasn't going to get in? 
because I think that was the question we were all asking when we saw the first three teams announced and we're like, oh my God, is there going to be a college football playoff without an SEC team? And swiftly that was answered. No, no, there is not. There is definitely going to be an SEC team in. Don't you think that would have been crazy? It would have been crazy. It would have been crazy. And if an SEC team didn't get in, Chelsea, like you could have made an argument that maybe the two best teams in college football were left out of the playoff, right? Like maybe we watched the championship game on Saturday between Georgia and Bama. Those easily could be the two best teams. We'll see how the playoff works itself out. But people were lobbying for Georgia to get in. They're like, okay, mm-hmm. if you put Bama, if you put Bama in because you feel like they're truly better than Florida State then why wasn't Georgia five and why wasn't Florida State six? You know, like that almost left just as sour a taste in people's mouth. If it's like, if you're going to have Bama jump FSU, like you got to be consistent and at least have Georgia jump them as well. If you're truly going off, okay, this team just is not the same without Jordan Travis. So, uh, yeah, I I mean, it would have been crazy if an SEC team didn't get in. Um, this certainly would have been the year that it would have happened because, as we know, with the playoff expanding now, it's it's definitely not going to happen. The Power 5 champs are all guaranteed to get in. But when Texas was three, even though I thought Bama would probably be four, we, there was that doubt for a second that, oh, man, maybe, maybe the SEC gets left out. I didn't even think about this too much, but do you think Georgia fans have a right to be mad? I saw somebody arguing for it on my timeline. I was like, come on, man, you lost. Uh, But still, they were the number one team all season long. So clearly the committee liked them. They lost one game by three points to another team that was in the college football playoff. Do you think they have any right to be frustrated? You know what's so funny is I think if Texas didn't beat Alabama head-to-head, I think Georgia probably would have been in. I think it would have been Michigan-Washington- Bama and Georgia would have been but it's like how do you like Michigan obviously was in Washington was in how do you put Georgia in over Texas who beat Bama who was the team that beat you you know what I mean it's just you can't Mm -hmm. like there's just no logical thing for me so that Texas win over Alabama is what made all of this so fun like so chaotic because if if Texas didn't have that win, both teams were 12 and 1. Bama would have gotten the nod over Texas. Like we we all know that, but because Texas beat them, that's why you had to put them in over Bama. So, I think Georgia fans, that's probably why they're all upset is because they know if Bama didn't play Texas, they probably would have been four in the playoff, but once they lost to Bama and with Texas having that win over Bama, there was just there wasn't any way they were getting in. There is a betting lesson to be learned in this. It is to follow the steam. Because we were, we have a group chat for the Daily Tip, and we were texting Jenks, who clearly wants Texas to get in because he is a Texas <laughs> alum and a huge Texas fan. So I think it was like an hour before the announcement, we saw a steep line change where Texas went to minus 750 to make it yep. into the college football playoff. Anytime you see a significant odds change like that, you know something is up. So I don't know how they figured this out, but when it comes to announcements and futures, and I guess we will probably see this when it comes to the Heisman, like we'll probably see some like line moves that kind of indicate which way this is going. It's always important to pay attention to these. Sometimes they're not always accurate. Like we've seen this in the NFL draft where we have been led astray. Remember when everybody thought Will Levis was going to go first overall? Didn't happen. But just something to keep your eye on. If you think 
that you have some intel or if you think you uh, know what's best, just check the sports books and see how the line is moving because sometimes it can be very telling, like we saw with Texas over the weekend. PJ, did you think there were any other betting lessons from some of these championship games? I think number one for me is even if a line looks fishy, if you truly believe in the team, you take the points. Because imagine if we have lay, if we would have laid the 10 points with Oregon. That is a huge number in a championship game between two teams that look pretty evenly matched. But the line smelled to high heaven. We both thought this line could have been a trap. It wasn't. Washington won outright. So what do you take away from this? Do you say to yourself, okay, even if a line looks fishy sometimes, if your gut instinct is strong enough, you override it? You know, normally I'd actually be on the side of, like, Oregon. I know a lot of sharp bettors that were on Oregon, and that's why the line kept going up. Because as we know, for a line to move like that, especially when it felt like a lot of people were on Washington, it has to be sharp money that's moving these lines at all these different sports books. But this was just one of those cases. I think it's a game-to-game thing. And you just, you know, you look at a spot like... I tweeted out yesterday, you know, the Niners, I thought, were kind of the right side all week against Philadelphia. I was going back and forth on the game. And as we got, you know, to Sunday morning, I'm like, is this Eagles-Niners game, isn't it kind of similar to Oregon-Washington? Like, the Eagles beat them last year. Now, granted, obviously, Purdy got hurt, and the Niners didn't really stand a chance. But it's like, the Eagles are 10-1. and They beat this team last year. They were the NFC representative in the Super Bowl. They're at home. They're three-point dogs. They've been told all week that this Niners team is better than them. Like, is this another one of those trap lines? We're getting a key number to it, plus three, just like we were with Washington at plus 10. And obviously, San Francisco rolled in that game. So that turned out to be the correct line. So it's just, you know, it's sports. It's it's football. Sometimes it happens. We just thought it was too many points in a game like this. And, you know, Oregon, they, they've had some nice wins. They've passed the eye test, but they haven't really beaten, like, a good team. The best team they played was Washington, and they lost to them. So in the rematch, I just thought it was too many points. In college football every year, we talk about it. There's teams like Washington that probably should have two or three losses, but end up being undefeated and win all those games. And they reminded me a lot of TCU from last year. And that's why I like them. And sure enough, here they are. Keep rolling undefeated. Um, but to answer your question, Chelsea, I think it's just it's a it's a game by game kind of scenario when you see these these fishy kind of trap lines. Well, and also when you're getting 10 points, like it would be different if this line was three because you were kind of referencing the Niners and Eagles game. And that was a field goal. Like, that's still a very short spread. If you're super conservative, like I was, you just take the Niners on the money line. And situationally, it was a really tough spot for the Eagles because of their schedule. They had played an absolute gauntlet before that game. Uh, Played the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bills in overtime. So it just kind of looked like a tough spot, situationally speaking. And we know that is one of uh, the main handicaps when trying to look at NFL games, it's not just apples to apples. This team is better than this team. Sometimes situationally, you're just in a tough spot and it kind of wears on you physically because the NFL is an extremely physical league. I think in college football, if you have a very good quarterback, sometimes that's the X factor uh, because that's when you really can rule the roost because there's just not that many great quarterbacks, I feel like, in college football. Although now all of them are staying like 10 years you know, and they can be like a seventh-year quarterback, uh, you know, like Bo Nix has been in college football. It feels like forever. Uh, but some of these other games, 
Like, I didn't really have a ton of interest in watching Michigan and Iowa. That one ended 26 to nothing. Michigan winning and covering the spread. And the under still hit a total of 36 points in that game. I think the lesson there is sometimes when you see a line that's very low, don't be afraid to take the under. Because weren't we laughing at some of these lines they posted for Iowa's team total? I think their team total touchdowns was set at a half. And it was juiced to the under. That meant if they scored one touchdown, one single touchdown, you would have won your bet. But guess what? They didn't score anything. Iowa, good God, our expectations were low, and you exceeded them. Yeah, Chelsea, not only the touchdowns, like their point total for each half was a half. All they got to do is safety, field goal, anything. Just score any kind of points, and they couldn't do that. So I thought this game would be 38 nothing. I felt really good about that. Michigan ended up kicking too many field goals, or else they might have gotten there. But this game kind of played out, I, I mean, how you thought it would. Like, Iowa, how are they going to score in this game? Michigan would probably force a couple turnovers. They'd go on a couple drives here and there. they just kind of wear out Iowa's defense. They would get tired over time. And, and they'd cruise to a victory. So there, there's really not much takeaways in, in this game. You know, I mean, Iowa played Penn State earlier this year. They lost 31 nothing. like you figured it would be the same kind of game. And, and it ended up being really the big story from this one was the opening line. Chelsea was 23 and a half. And this was a 23 nothing game late. And it came down to a 50-yard field goal from Michigan. So that was the one thing. That's why we love gambling. A late sweat there when the game's out of hand, but it comes down to that spread. So uh, that was really the only thing that stuck out to me was people who had that 23, 23 and a half. They, they needed that late field goal to go in for Michigan to cover that. God, that sounds miserable. Imagine having to sit through this game. A 23 nothing game for most of the time and praying and hoping that your money can be won on a 50-yard field goal. Couldn't be me, and I am certainly glad that I did not bet on that game. I think my question moving forward is always, which team looks like they are peaking at the right time? And which team looks like they are playing their best brand of football? And you look at Alabama, and around Halloween we said this. Every single time people count Nick Saban out, it just feels like he's going to do like the Undertaker pop up from the coffin and say, I'm back. How dare you count me out? And what do you know? Nick Saban's in the college football playoff once again, won the SEC championship. And I'm not going to say it looks like they're like perfect. Alabama is certainly not. They nearly lost to Auburn, a very bad team. But do you think Alabama is playing its best football of the season right now? 100%. This is the team we saw Michigan's reaction, right? When they got in as the number four mm-hmm. team in the in the playoff, that, that's why. Because they know that this is a team you, you don't want to play right now. They're clicking on all cylinders. That team that played Texas is not the same team. Chelsea, it's the best coaching job that Nick Saban has done since he's been in Tuscaloosa. It's it's incredible. I'll tell you why. It's because of the development of Milrow. He didn't even know who his quarterback was going to be coming into the year, what he's turned into. But it's also the fact that Alabama doesn't have a first-round skill guy at receiver or running back. Think about their teams over the years, right? It was Jameer Gibbs last year. You had Bryce Young at quarterback. You had Tua. You had Mac Jones. You had all these receivers with Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith and Amari Cooper. This team doesn't have that. They ran through the SEC undefeated. They beat the number one team in the country after going down at home to Texas like – 
the job he has done is incredible. And uh, to me, I think they look like the best team, and, and they're the last ones I would want to play. Ooh, we will see. And we'll talk about this more next. Opening lines for the college football playoff games next on The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. The Daily Tip will be right back on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Welcome back to The Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in on this Monday edition of The Daily Tip. I'm Chelsea Messenger. He's PJ Glasser. Filling in for Jinx today, we're going to talk a little college football in just a minute. I'm sure we'll find something to dive into. Yeah, we've got the opening lines for the college football playoff semifinal games uh, between Alabama and Michigan and Texas and Washington. Now, PJ, as an Alabama grad, you now have the biggest first world problem in college football fandom. And that is, as a fan, do you try to go to the semifinal game or do you wait and have the ultimate faith in your team and say, I'm going to wait, I'll just go to the national championship. As an Alabama fan, I'm sure you've had this conundrum a few times. I have. It's a great question. Normally, I would say I would wait for the championship, but for the Rose Bowl, to me, that's better than the championship, if I'm being honest. Like, as sports fans, right, that's a bucket list item. Like, that is the venue in college football. When you're getting a heavyweight matchup like this, like when you're getting arguably two of the biggest brands in this sport, it's a no-brainer. So, uh, trying to go, Chelsea, hoping that I get the opportunity to when they play this game because it'd just be awesome to go. I know Jenks is trying to go to the Sugar Bowl as well to watch his Longhorns play, which is going to be awesome. But, uh yeah, normally I would say I would say the national championship just because that that is the title game. But I mean, for for the Rose Bowl, because you know it's one thing to go to the Rose Bowl, but it's another to watch your team play there. So uh, for me, for this specific instance, it, it would certainly be the Rose Bowl and the semifinal. Oh, I think a hundred percent. I think I have not been to every college football venue, but the Rose Bowl is number one for me. It is such Thanks. a scenic setting and such an iconic setting that I think it's number one on the bucket list. Like, if you haven't been there, I think you try to get out there at some point. It's kind of a hike. It's not necessarily the easiest place to get to. Um, but still, the mountains in the backdrop, uh, especially the this game's going to be at 5 p.m. You'll have the sun setting. Oh, it's going to be absolutely beautiful with palm trees and everything. And, of course, we know the history of the Rose Bowl. I'm kind of surprised that Washington, like, didn't get to play out west. They will be making the long trip to the east, not the east coast, but still the east uh, for the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. Of course, you mentioned it. It's going to be Texas against Washington. I think this is the first time where I feel like both of these games should be really good. Like usually there is one game out of the semifinal where we're saying, okay, you know, there's a big spread in this game. We kind of know this team's going to roll or maybe you take a chance with the 14 points here. But both of these spreads are pretty tight. Both these games have spreads under a touchdown. Alabama and Michigan, we have Michigan laying a mere point and a half, total of 45 and a half. Texas, Washington, we've got Texas laying four and a half, so that is the bigger spread of the two. So what was your initial reaction to these lines? 
I think these were tighter than I thought they were going to be. Yeah, I, I was interested to see what they were going to do with Michigan and Bama because the metrics were telling you that Michigan should be favored. They opened up at two and a half and immediately dropped to one and a half. But again, I mean, the, the sports books are giving us Bama with the plus number next to their name. And I know that's going to be intriguing to a lot of people, myself included. Um, but but they're willing to take that Alabama money. They think Michigan should be the favorite. Really like Bama in that game would probably lean the under as well. I think it's going to kind of be similar to like the first half that we saw against Georgia where it's going to be really good defenses. It's going to be physical. Both teams are great up front, offensive, defensive line, and it's all going to come down to which quarterback makes plays. I really don't feel like Michigan has played an elite passing game though this year. Like the two that they have played by far that are the best are Ohio State and Maryland. And those are the only two games where they've given up 20 or more points. So Milrose obviously been great. Bama's got decent receivers. They just put 27 up on Georgia. Um, so I think Michigan could struggle a little bit in the secondary in that game, whereas Michigan's played some great defenses this year. They've gone up against Penn State. They've gone up against Ohio State. They were just able to run the ball and get the win against Penn State. I don't know if they're able to do that on Bama. And then, you know, against Ohio State, they had a nice a nice mix of run and pass, but they were at home. This is a neutral site game, and Nick Saban's going to have a month to prepare for you. So I, I think it's going to be a good under game, but I really like Alabama to win. Another thing, too, Chelsea, it feels like every time in the college football playoff when the when there's the team who, like, people aren't sure if they should get in, and there's the argument of should it be this team or should it be that team, the team that normally squeaks in tends to play pretty well. So I like Bama in that game. And then I love the over in Texas and Washington, 64-and-a-half. I don't think that's high enough. Both teams are going to be able to score. Both offenses are elite. Two great passing games. Texas's offense is healthy. Ewers is back. Their receivers are so good. There's so much speed. And then Washington, they have three awesome receivers. And Michael Penix, who looked like he maybe was hurt, like the final three or four weeks of the season, looked good against Oregon, and he's going to have a month to rest up for this game. So I think we're going to get a shootout in New Orleans. I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game out in Pasadena. Um, I like Bama, and then I'd probably take Washington plus the points, but that game is going to be really good. I don't know, but the over is the play that I like. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the key matchups in each because I know for most of the season, Texas has been really good at stopping the run. But Washington, mm-hmm. clearly, we know can throw the ball. And maybe that's where Texas can be had in the middle of the field with that secondary. Then you look at the the Michigan-Alabama game. The calling card for Michigan all season long has been their offensive line and how they can run the ball at will against just about anybody. Like, going into that Penn State game, we saw Penn State's defense, one of the top defenses in the country, at least statistically speaking. But the Wolverines didn't even have to throw a single pass in the second half of that game. So how do you think Alabama's defense will match up with Michigan's offensive lines? Because so far, nobody has really been able to challenge the Wolverines up front. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bama's defensive line certainly isn't as dominant as it's been in previous years, but it's still really, really good. And uh, Ohio State's got a great D-line. They got a great front seven. Penn State's got a great front seven. Michigan was able to handle them. But I remember when Michigan played Georgia a couple of years in, ago in the in the Orange Bowl, and Michigan had a great offensive line then. 
and then they went up against Georgia and some of those SEC D linemen, and it just it wasn't the same. So I remember James Franklin, you know, he was talking about it. This was years ago, and he always said the biggest difference from the SEC to every other conference and why there's this, like, SEC bias is is the line of scrimmage for the defensive linemen. Like, they're just – they're different animals. You know, I don't know, Chelsea, if you saw the Eagles-Bills game from last week when Jordan Davis, the former Georgia defensive lineman, was chasing down Josh Allen on the sideline, and it's just this 330-pound animal just running after Josh Allen 17 miles per hour, and it's like – the, the, the SEC D linemen are just are different. So Michigan's got a great O line, but uh, I, I think Bama will be able to hold their own. They got a really good secondary too. So uh, and they're getting a month to prepare, and they got Nick Saban, and they got Kevin Steele, who's one of the best defensive coordinators in the country as well. So I think it's going to be a tough game for Michigan to uh, to move the football. I also think it's really telling that in the matchup between the number one and the number four seed, the spread is a point and a half. It feels like me, it's telling me that the market is really high on Alabama. Like, doesn't this seem shocking? Like, one would think the spread between the number one team and the number four team would be bigger than the spread between the number two and the number three team. But also, the number two team is also the underdog in that matchup by four and a half points. So it almost puts your brain in like a mental pretzel trying to think of all of the things that the market is telling us here. Were you surprised to see this line so short? And do you think that's telling us something about the betting market when it comes to Alabama? No, I I really wasn't surprised. I, I know Bama lost to Texas, but they went undefeated in the SEC. They beat Georgia. So if anything, I'm almost kind of surprised that they're underdogs. Like, Nick Saban is a dog. I mean, they're giving that to us again. Like that to me is like Point that would be that would be the trap, <laughs> right? So I mean, it's it's kind of a pick'em, right? I mean, it's even money. But uh, yeah, I, I was surprised Michigan opened up as the favorites because is Michigan better than Alabama? Like on either side of the ball? Like is is their defense better? I know statistically they are, but like look at the offenses they've had to play this season. Like I think they're pretty comparable. Maybe they're a little bit better offensively. I know they have some bigger names. Like, I know Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards are a better running back tandem. Maybe their receiving core is a little bit better. But I think Milrow is better than McCarthy. I mean, I know a lot of people like McCarthy. I'm, I'm, I think personally he's a little overrated. So, especially the way Milrow's playing as of late. Um, so, yeah, I mean, both teams, it's, it's pretty similar on both sides of the ball. And then, you know, both head coaches are really, really good. But Nick Saban's the greatest of all time. And he's been in this spot numerous situations Jim Harbaugh has lost his two college football play, playoff appearances um so yeah I'm, I mean to me I was I was surprised that Bama was a dog were you were you surprised like if I didn't tell you what this line was and I told you Bama was playing Michigan in the Rose Bowl who would you think was going to be favored oh I think it had to be Michigan just because they're the mm. undefeated team I still think that the Big Ten holds enough weight that that uh, Michigan would be favored in this game and Alabama has come on hot down the stretch, but also I think a lot of people are having trouble forgetting that Auburn game. Because think about that one play. What was it? Fourth and 20-something? Fourth and 30-something? Yeah. Fourth and 31. If that would have you know, not came to pass, 
Alabama wouldn't even be in this situation. So I think some people are seeing that last game and saying, okay, well, Alabama played great against Georgia, but there is a team that struggles in there somewhere, and it was just a couple games ago. But from a betting standpoint, when you see this amount of parity in the top four teams, I think that's when you take a look at an underdog. When it comes to the futures market and who wins it all, Michigan plus 170, Alabama plus 190, Texas plus 310, and Washington seven to one is there any value in taking the dogs here washington is 100 percent the play if you're going to make a futures bet it's the huskies and it's not even close because they're plus 155 on the money line against texas and then if they win that game the winner of bama michigan regardless at most chelsea they're six point dogs in that game at most it's probably going to be like five obviously it depends on how teams look in those games but I mean, at a plus 700 and they're plus 155 against Texas, they'd probably be like another plus 170 against Alabama or Michigan. Like that, that is the play, is, is Washington. Oh, for sure. Just at least for the hedging opportunities. If they even mm -hmm. make it to the title game, you will have a great opportunity to hedge your money in the title game. All right, coming back from the break, it's MVP Monday here on The Daily Tip. The Daily Tip will be right back on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM.